Hello and welcome to the Spirit Talk podcast, where we'll talk all things spiritual. I'm your host and the creator of the podcast, Brandy Bolton. Join me at looking at spirituality from many different angles. There will be no stone left unturned. From science and spirit to topics that some may call woo-woo, I will also discuss my own experiences as a developing psychic and medium. This podcast is for all the seekers out there, and I sincerely hope you enjoy. Hello, Spirit Talkers. So good to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a little bit of a chill. I had to go and warm up one of my heat bags, and I have it here, and it's helping me so much. It was about zero degrees a few hours ago. It's probably about five or six degrees Celsius right now outside, and I am not ready for it. (laughs) It's freezing, and this only just descended upon us in southwestern BC here about within the last week, this cold weather. So I am grateful for this heat bag. (laughs) We have two back-to-back episodes here. I think that might be a first here on Spirit Talk. Because it's Halloween morning, I thought I would love to pop on and talk Halloween. There is some real magic in knowing where traditions come from. I've participated in Halloween and celebrated it, really, I guess, as a part of my culture, you could say. And I know not all of you listening have done the whole Halloween thing. That's okay, not to worry. This episode is for everyone. We're going to get into a little bit of history and then some spiritual woo-woo downloaded information. (laughs) And so, yes, I am recording this on Halloween morning. (laughs) As I said that, my cat jumped up to sit next to me. So you might hear her purring in the background. She loves this season. I'm not just saying that to be cute. Cats are really aware of energy and they love a good moment of connection, especially when their humans are connecting. Hmm, maybe she senses that this tradition of Halloween, whether we know it or not, connects us to our ancient past. Thank you, sweet Foxy, for joining me. I wouldn't be surprised if she sits here the whole time. It's funny, each each time I pull cards for myself, tarot cards, oracle cards, if I'm in the house, that is, because uh, I'm out there pulling cards left, right, and center. Uh, not always in my house, but when I am in here pulling cards, she could be in a deep sleep and she knows it. She comes up and, and she headbutts the box and she purrs and she insists on inserting herself into my spiritual connection. So thank you, sweet Foxy, for joining us today. She's our little spirit talk totem for the day. <laughs> Let's get into Halloween, and also I'm going to elaborate on some of the stuff that we learn about within the Halloween history. Halloween might be a secular affair today, meaning it's not treated as a religious event for most people, but the holiday is rooted in an annual Celtic pagan festival called Samhain. Samhain is a Gaelic festival on November 1st, marking the end of the harvest season, Hello, this past weekend, I just took down my veggie garden. So I'm kind of on that same page with these uh, ancient Gaelics. So it marks the end of the harvest and the beginning of the winter or, you know, the darker half of the year. Of course, this is for Northern Hemisphere people only for those of you listening in the South. And Samhain actually is the Irish language name for November. Celebrations began on October 31st because the Celtic day actually begins and ends with the sunset sunrise. So at sunset, 
Sunset today, October 31st, it is considered the 1st of November, which marks the beginning of Samhain. And this is really of particular interest to me. I have very deep ancestral Celtic roots, something I wasn't really aware of or interested in until these last few years. The Celts, their culture, it spread around Europe and goes back as early as 1200 BC. And the, the pagans, their religion was really close, closely tied to the natural world. Um, they worshipped gods in sacred places like lakes, rivers, cliffs, bushes, and the moon and the sun and the stars were especially important. And the Celts believed that there were supernatural forces in every aspect of the natural world. I think that's really, really amazing. And November 1st was also the new year. So Samhain was considered a time between two years. And it was a magical time when ghosts of the dead would walk the earth according to their traditions and beliefs. And the Celts believed that the veil was at its thinnest on Samhain. So on that evening, villagers would gather, they would make huge bonfires and have huge feasts, and they would really try to drive the dead back into the spirit world, uh, sometimes with scary masks and whatnot. And the rising Catholic church, they really didn't like this pagan tradition. And believe it or not, the two things are kind of related to our current day Halloween. So in the seventh century, the Vatican began to merge Samhain with their own church sanctioned holiday. So All Saints Day, November 1st, was designated for honoring faithful martyrs people who were of strong Catholic faith who had passed away. So interestingly, both these holidays, Samhain and All Saints Day, had to do with the afterlife and survival after death. And it is said that merging these two holidays was a calculated move by the church leaders to bring more people into their fold, to kind of attract the pagans to become Catholic. And All Saints Day was referred to as Hallowmas. Hallow means saintly or holy. And so roughly translated, Mass of the Saints, Hallowmas. And that made the night before November 1st All Hallows' Eve, which slowly morphed into current day word Halloween. And it's thought that the holiday was brought to America where it really kind of was born into what it is now uh, with the immigration of Irish during the potato famine. With them, they brought customs like bobbing for apples and playing tricks on neighbors and carving demonic faces out of turnips to frighten away the wandering souls. This all originated from Samhain. Eventually, turnips became pumpkins, as those were more native to the region in, in the U.S. and in North America here. 
And in the early 1900s, well, late 1800s, early 1900s, it really got pretty hooligan-y. <laughs> there wasn't much rhyme or reason or structure to the holiday as there is now. Um, it was wild out there. Kids were wearing masks and stealing people's front gates, just as one example of a trick they would play on their neighbors, things like that. And so storekeepers and neighbors began giving out bribes of candy, which is kind of also loosely related to Samhain, of giving out um, feast. And so that they would give the candy in order to stop the tricks. <laughs> so it started to become encouraged for kids to go door to door to receive candy rather than tricking their neighbor. This is of great interest to me and maybe some of the Canadian listeners that some have traced the earliest print reference of the term trick or treat to 1927 in Canada. <laughs> and by the late 30s, the phrase trick or treat became the holiday greeting throughout Canada and America. So that is the short little history I have for you regarding Halloween. There's surely many more details and in-depth people can get and I encourage you to do your own research and look into that if you are interested in it. It's just fascinating and I find that I feel very connected to my own ancestors at this time of year. While I don't have records to prove it other than knowing my DNA comes from the part of the world where Celtic pagans lived, I know on a soul level that I have bloodline that connects to those traditions. And I've even taken peeks into some past lives, one in particular I can think of, that indicated very strongly that I lived as a pagan Celt. And I just get goosebumps as I say that. I feel like there are many of you who even feel connected, if not by a bloodline, maybe you've lived a life in that time and space. And so if you're feeling resonance as I say this, trust that is true. Our body is our barometer after all. So the tradition of Samhain involves the Celts believing of the thinning of the veil. And I'm sure you all have heard of the thinning, uh, thinning of the veil elsewhere. And I want to elaborate on that topic a little bit in departure from talking about Halloween. In working with my own guides and higher self, I have come to know that the thinning of the veil is a real phenomenon and it doesn't just have to do with Halloween. So let's get into that. What does the thinning of the veil mean? It's as if a fog that blocks us from our higher dimensional self and the world beyond, thins out, fades, clears away. And as that veil thins, psychic senses are sharper, connection to other dimensions are clearer. It becomes easier to connect through quantum tunnels to different points in time and space. Dreams can be more real and vivid. We can access parallel realities, past lives, departed loved ones, angels, guides, and the list really goes on. And they become more available to us when the veil is thin. You might see energy, shadows, orbs. 
You might be able to communicate with the spirit of trees, just as one example. People may get spontaneous memories or glimpses into other lives. The veil thinning brings us a feeling of unity and connectedness. And it can affect everyone differently depending on the individual soul gifts and the level of ability one is ready to accept within their human body and what limiting beliefs are held. The thinning of the veil is nothing to fear. Rather, it is a gift. And please keep in mind that nothing can affect your energy or auric field without you allowing it to. You have power and autonomy. And fear itself is a low vibration, which is the antithesis to the magic of the thinning of the veil. So as I sat down to record this, I was shown through my psychic senses that the thinning of the veil can happen in a number of ways. For the collective, it is true that around this time of year, the veil is thinner. We can all feel that in our physical bodies, some more than others, depending on factors like awareness, being highly sensitive, and other things. Why that happens at this time of year, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll try to channel that information at a later date. But it is it was shown to me that at this time of year, the veil is naturally thinner. And the veil is also thin for babies and young children. In fact, young, young babies experience almost no veil at all. And the veil is thinner for very elderly people near death and often but not always, in people with dementia, Alzheimer's, and some mental disorders. In addition to those, the veil also becomes thinner for individuals who have gone through spiritual awakening. In that example, the veil is not always very thin, but it will always remain thinner than it was prior to the awakening. And there's another circumstance that I was made aware of. This one kind of triggered me. People who take care of the temporary vessel for their soul, their body, have thinner veils and clearer channels. And of course, spirit sensed my being triggered about this, which is no surprise because I know I could do better by my body. Many of us can. Uh, Spirit was really quick to show me it's not just about food and exercise. It's about love and care to the physical, self-love. It's about thoughts, environment, human connection through touch, our senses, and any other way that you could think of that is about self-care for the physical body. So how fascinating. And I thank Spirit so much for showing me that today. And that is it for me today, friends. Just a little quick episode. I know a little while back I said I'm going to channel information on deep topics, the very deep stuff. And I assure you I am. I have scheduled a day to sit down and actually channel. So that is upcoming. Stay tuned for that. There may be a few episodes prior to that. I'm not sure. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Halloween. And until we meet again.